Are you ready to overcome the complexities and burdens that come with your success? Join the team at Centura Wealth Advisory in the Live Life Liberated podcast. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Live Life Liberated with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. Derek Myron is in studio today and he has a returning guest and that is Dan Yates, the CEO of Endeavor Bank. Gentlemen, how are you this morning? Doing great, Eric. Good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I, I learned a ton last time and you know, as a business owner, I need to hear what you have to say. So Derek, without further ado, take it away. Thank you, Eric. And Dan, thank you again for making time out of your very, very busy schedule. I'm a member of a couple different uh, groups, CEO groups, and all they want to talk about is the PPP program. And we know you're the man with the answers. Thank you for taking time to bring those answers to our listening audience. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and give you an update on some of the things that have happened since we last were on this uh, call together. Great. You want to just dive right in and share with your scene and what's happening at Endeavor Bank? Sure. Uh, the night before last, I was uh, at the office till about one o'clock punching through uh, PPP loans, knowing that we were quickly approaching the final uh, dollars available. And I arrived back in the office, uh, received a, an application at 6 a.m. and had it processed and punched at 6.20. A minute later, I got the notice from the SBA that they were no longer accepting applications. And that kicked off quite a busy day for most bankers yesterday. And it really came into two areas. Um, a lot of individuals who had been informed that they received an SBA number but had not yet received funding, actual funding in their account or documentation, thought that what the announcement meant is that their funds also were at risk. So a lot of uh, the day was spent yesterday reassuring the, the millions across the country that those funds had still not, that are still available and would be funded eventually. So a lot of reassurance and really misunderstanding of how the process works end to end. And part of that has to do with the fact that it is the banks themselves that are funding these loans, not the uh, Treasury. So we're always back to that same confusion. Uh, that was followed by a lot of individuals who are confident that the Congress will act to increase appropriations. They had heard good stories from um, different individuals around the community who had had uh, success in getting a loan. And they wanted to send their applications in in hopes that they would be fortunate enough to be teed up to have those approved once um, Congress does act. So we received probably as many applications yesterday, and I'm sure this was nationwide, as uh, we had received in the prior two weeks' time. And then those who were still in our, our line who had not been processed, um, we spent a fair amount of time trying to find out if they still wanted us to uh, work on their applications, or in many cases, what we found is that we would go through the entire review process, punch the ticket, only to receive an error message from the SBA that they had applied elsewhere. And so we're really trying to do a little cleanup work today to find out who truly is waiting for one of these loans and who has already received it uh, at another bank. Yeah, I bet that is a little frustrating when you guys are working 18, 20 hours a day on these loans to then find out that they have several different applications. So that would be helpful. What we're finding also now is that there's a website up that I thought was interesting. You might, some of your listeners may enjoy looking at it. It's a site that business owners are using to talk about their experience and it's called covidloantracker.com. And I looked at it this morning and what was interesting is that 
the smaller community banks across the nation seem to do a better job in, at, at communicating the process and where individuals stood in line. There were good experiences at the larger banks uh, in terms of getting loans processed, but a, a weak overall experience in communicating where you were in line. And some people got their loans approved immediately. Others uh, found out that uh, they were there day one, but they did not get a loan at the end. So m most of the frustration is from those who did not receive an actual um, allocation from the Treasury. I'm sure there's a lot of anxiousness amongst business owners that are waiting in line, waiting for Congress to act. What's the current status there and what's your crystal ball say is going to happen? Uh, I was guessing yesterday that we would receive uh, positive news by end of this week today, but it, it's looking a little more like Monday may be the, uh, the day. I, I'm, I'm sure that Congress is being flooded with phone calls because all the bank trade agencies have advised us to reach out to the business community and encourage every business owner who's still waiting to get on the phone, call the senator, call their congressman, and, and really encourage them to uh, satisfy the need. By most accounts, there are at least two-thirds of the small businesses that are seeking these loans that did not receive, receive them, and that would equate to a need of close to a trillion dollars versus $347 billion that was allocated. Um, we're, we're talking about adding maybe $250 billion, so that would only get you a little more than halfway home if, if the trillion number is accurate. I have no way of knowing if that is the right number, but certainly uh, given that we went through um, in two weeks' time $347 billion, and the line is as long as uh, I can see, um, there's a reason to believe that that trillion number may be what we should be thinking about. And so all I've seen reported is the discussion around the $250 billion. Has there been any discussion about raising that from $250 billion to $650 billion? Uh, in the early days of the launch, um, President Trump had and the Treasury Secretary both had mentioned that on a couple of occasions. Of course, it's not their... Uh, their power to make that happen, but there was discussion down in the uh, in the hands of the Senate, uh, not so much um, uh, encouragement that that would actually be the case. So right now it looks more like another 250 is on the uh, the high side, and the other side of the uh, political aisle they're talking about 125, a much uh, lower number. At least they're both talking about adding more dollars, but. If we end up with only $125 billion, that will go out in about two days. We were seeing about 50 to $60 billion um, being dis um, allocated in the last two days of the program. And the very first day, it was closer to $10 billion. So as more banks um, became familiar with the process and, and became more efficient at processing applications, it went up uh, quite quickly on an exponential basis to see how they were processed. What is the average duration at Endeavor Bank between date of app submitting the application to date of receiving the golden ticket, as you call it, from the SBA? Well, it really changed over the course of two weeks. Uh, we, it took us uh, two days. Um, the program opened on April the 4th, a Friday. It took us two days Sunday before we had our first one processed. By the end, we were able to turn uh, the last one around in about 20 minutes, and it really depends on how the applications arrive and what kind of work we have to do on the review side. Many times we receive an application that's missing the payroll information that we need to do an effective review. 
um, or there'll be uh, information on the application itself that is hard to read or incomplete. So each application can uh, can take anywhere from 20 minutes to uh, you know much longer, depending on how quickly the the applicant responds back with what we're uh, missing if it's data they need to send us. So there's there's a there's probably an average right now if if we were to uh, see the window reopen. I, I think we've got our system running smooth enough that I could get the average one through in about 30, 30 minutes to an hour. Wow. Now, that's assuming that there isn't a number of people in line ahead of them, correct? Because if you're daily, so if you're setting the business owner's expectations, if somebody submitted an application to Endeavor Bank, how many days, assuming the SBA window gets reopened, how many days or hours do you expect before they would get that golden ticket securing their place in line? It's a great question, and you, you'll hear reports coming out that they're asking the SBA to at least keep these applications in what they call the queue and have the SBA uh, issue the authorizations, and the SBA is refusing to do that. But really, it's not that important from my standpoint because we have the ability to create our own queue, and what we do is we stage them up on a software that we put on our platform about two weeks ago, and on our software, once we have finished our review, everything is ready to be punched to get the golden ticket, as we refer to it. And so when they uh, issue the appropriations, I can simply go right down the line because all the work has been done ahead of time and just hit submit. And that'll take, uh, on average, about uh, 10 seconds to get the SBA authorization. In fact, there was an editorial yesterday in a magazine that should should know a little more about the facts called Bank Director. And they were uh, really complimenting all the loans that the SBA approved, given their staffing. And I had a chuckle because there is no approval taking place at the SBA. It's all taking place on this side of the, um, the desk with the banks. <laughs> the, what the SBA actually does is when you submit, there's a computer that basically in about 10 seconds analyzes the data we submit through a portal and issues a, um, a guarantee number. And then we, from there, move on to the next step, which is the loan documentation and eventually funding. So there are no human beings, if you will, at the SBA sitting there looking at these applications and making credit decisions. That's happening on our side. Wow. I know you don't have a crystal ball, and it seems like they're playing politics with continuing to allocate money to this program. But do you expect that there will be haves and have-nots? Do you expect that they may only approve 125 or $250 billion and leave a big swath of America uncovered from being able to get PPP loans? Well, I think the answer has to be yes, only because the, the amount of need is far greater than either party is currently discussing. So that just by default means some, some will have a, a missed opportunity. What I found is that in the early days of the program, if you had a rather large loan, in excess of a couple of million, remember this can go up to 10 million, uh, they were often the, the ones that were not handled because to process one large loan, the amount of fees the banks make is much less than if you took a smaller amount and divided it, say, 10 ways. Uh, and number two, it used up most of the bank's allocations. Well, finally, just yesterday, uh, on the eve of this program ending, the Treasury came out with an unlimited supply of funding for the banks to make these loans. If it had arrived much earlier, uh, like day one, these uh, larger uh, applications would have been handled much sooner and quicker. 
And so that's one of those un, untold stories as to why the larger loans in many cases were the last to get processed. And there may be those out there that think the smaller borrowers were more entitled and it should have been focused on, and that is what actually happened. But many of these larger companies employ you know, quite a few uh, hundreds of employees that are also impacted if they don't get paychecks. So it's hard to really know who is, who is really most in need of these loans and who's not. That's a very subjective question. <clears throat> but yes, definitely some will be left out. So if you're a business owner today that has yet to hear from or has not applied or yet to hear from their current bank, what is your advice today for that business owner? What action should they take today based on the current status? I would definitely be in contact with that bank to find out if you can discern if there's a an ability to have your application ready to be punched through as soon as the allocation comes through. If you can get that type of a verbal commitment, I would keep in line with that bank. If you get, um, we can't promise you anything type of response or we don't know, I would seriously consider taking that application to a bank that is in a better position to give you those assurances. Many of the smaller and regional community banks are in a position to do that because they have a more manual process. Somewhat more difficult, I think, for the very largest banks simply because of the massive amount of applications they're trying to deal with. The other thing that I think will come out today and we're expecting to hear today is some flexibility on the uh, 10-day funding. And what I mean by that is we have a lot of clients who have received their um, SBA guarantee. They're sitting on loan documents, but they would like to hold off signing and delaying the funding of the actual loan because strategically they're not ready to reopen or they're not able to because of the uh, shelter at home order. And if they can delay funding, they will actually be able to utilize the program the way it was intended in some respects, and that is to uh, cover their payroll from the time they open their doors and until the next uh, eight weeks passes. We, the original instructions were banks had to fund within 10 days, borrowers had to accept funding within 10 days. Now the, uh, the new information we're hearing is that they may offer some flexibility on that to help, um, for example, the medical community, which in many cases are not doing elective surgeries. It'll affect certainly restaurants and any other industry that comes to mind where the companies would like to be open but are not able to because of the shelter at home orders. They're non-essential businesses. How about businesses that took the PPP money and without getting good advice there and realize we have a client that, that works with the courts and the courts are closed and 90% of his staff is at home. How are they going to remedy the situation for businesses that took the money when they should have paused to wait before they could get everybody back to work? Well, the only way they could remedy that would be to extend the covered period beyond eight weeks and allow, say, 12 weeks to use the funds. That would be one solution. Uh, if they would allow the borrower to return the funds and qualify for a second PPP time it at, at a better window, that would help. But the current law says that's only one PPP per tax ID number. So if they've already received the funds, they can't return it under the current law and then reapply and, and get the funds at a later date. That, that would be a solution, but I don't think they can um, remedy that in law. So the more likely solution would be to create flexibility on the covered period and move it past eight weeks. 
the, the way it currently is structured is you can take multiple disbursements on the loan, but the very first disbursement, even if it's only a penny a dollar, if you will, that technically starts your eight-week covered period. So it's very unfortunate for those who were in a hurry to get funds before the allocation was exhausted. They did get their golden ticket, but now they may regret it because they really can't use it for debt forgiveness purposes. It'll end up becoming a true loan for those companies. Correct. So Dan, previously when you and I spoke, the 10-day period was related to the bank's funding, but there was no period based on you get your golden ticket. There was no requirement about how quickly the borrower would have to execute loan documents. Are you saying that they have cleared that no longer a borrower could hold the loan documents with the golden ticket until they had the right timing for them to secure the loan, send in the loan documents, and start their eight-week period once they receive the money? So last Saturday, the SBA and the Treasury came out with some clarification on the form of loan documents banks can use. And very specifically, there's a form called a loan authorization. I've seen the loan authorization forms that many banks are using, and that authorization says if you do not draw the funds down within 10 days, that the guarantee itself that the SBA issued may become void. And if it becomes void, the bank would go from having a guaranteed loan to one that is now at risk of the bank not being covered by the government. And many banks would not fund that loan if they don't have the guarantee. But that authorization form is not required by the SBA. It's at each bank's discretion to use their own form. So now you have a bit of a confusion taking place where certain borrowers are calling, saying, I'm looking at my loan documents, and I'm seeing late fees, default fees. None of that is mentioned in the law. What the law says is that the banks can use whatever documents they want, provided there's nothing in the documents that's contrary to the CARES Act. But if the CARES Act is silent, and it's silent on things like late fees and default rates of interest, a bank could, in theory, put a uh, provision in their promissory note that says we're going to charge you 5% instead of 1% if you're in default. And as far as I can tell, that would not be in contradiction to the law. So these are the kinds of surprises that are now coming out that we didn't talk about last week, because now borrowers are starting to actually look at their loan documents and try to make sense and why they're different from bank to bank. So with that said, it is a very muddied, unclear area that I think will be cleared up if uh, rumors are true this evening when the Treasury and the SBA try to clarify this 10-day funding period and what it really means and doesn't mean. And I think if, if anybody is on the fence of signing today, they may want to wait a few hours to see what comes out today in the, the latest round of FAQs. Okay. Because many of our business clients are looking at the loan and trying to understand how do I optimize the loan forgiveness. And so the timing really does matter. So you're saying by the end of today, we should have more certainty around whether a borrower can hold that loan or not. Yeah, you and I started talking about this a week ago, but I will tell you that most banks, most of the business community did not even have this on their radar. And as anything happens, as time marches on, more and more businesses and banks are becoming aware this is a serious issue. And as has been the case since day one, this program, almost by the hour, has revealed 
answers to questions that people start asking a few days earlier. And now this has become a roar of a question that needs to be answered. And finally, our trade associations are promising us that they think finally we'll get those clar- that clarity this evening. Uh, I think the SBA um, spokesperson said that they're, this is a little bit like building an airplane in flight, and it sure feels that way sometimes. Yes, it does. I'm sure it does. We've spoken a little bit about the risk of potential audit back in 2008 and 2009 when uh, we had the uh, TARP funds. There was a lot of fraud associated with it, and many of the borrowers of TARP ended up being audited later to prove that they used the money appropriately. What recommendations do you have for people receiving the PPP loan? Yeah, many, many, of those, many of those applicants that rushed to apply later started reading and getting greater clarity as to how much they should have applied for. And on the other side, the banks became more educated and savvy as time went on as to what they should be looking for. And I think if anyone in hindsight applied and received more money than they should have uh, been eligible for, Probably the smart thing to do is to return the excess funds or don't advance those funds uh, so that you don't have uh, you know, any question about uh, improprieties. More importantly, when you go to the other side of spending the funds, make sure that you only spend it on eligible expenses. For example, there, you might read on the forgiveness that certain types of payments are allowed for things like uh, retirement plans. Well, I've had individuals ask, does that mean I can use the, fun, the funds for a profit sharing in a profit sharing plan? It happens at the end of most fiscal years for companies. Well, if you research that very question, you'll find that that's probably not the intent of the CARES Act uh, when they talk about uh, retirement benefits. And so you can really get into some very fine points that are going to become very important as we go out through this eight-week covered period as to how those funds are, are expensed when, when borrowers start returning to the banks seeking forgiveness. And ultimately, both the, uh, the amount you borrow and the amount that's forgiven are based on representations and warranties with serious penalties of fraud and um, financial fines uh, if you misrepresent or misuse the funds as they're intended. And I don't believe every applicant in the country has the same level of sophistication or expertise to make those decisions, nor, nor would I say the banks in the middle have that, uh, that sophistication because there's too many gray areas and there's too many areas that reasonable people would look at the same instructions and come to a different conclusion. It's going to be an interesting rollout as we look ahead. Great answer, Dan. Do you also advise segregating these assets so that if and when an audit would come, that you would have very, very clean records where that you just have one account that the PPP loan proceeds went into and all expenses came out of that one account to make it a much narrower audit. Yeah, there are, there are certainly companies that have uh, tremendous accounting systems and controls and procedures that won't need that. But for so many of the smaller businesses, it's not unusual for owners to run personal expenses through their company and at the end of the year hand a pile of bills to their CPA or their bookkeeper and say, sort this out. And we've, we've seen that for my entire banking career. That's just the nature of small businesses. So for those companies in particular, I think having a segregated account that'll help them be laser focused on the money in this account 
is only for these covered expenses. Because even if you're not seeking forgiveness, uh, there is an absolute mandate in the law that you not use those funds for anything other than covered expenses. So if, for example, you took these funds and you use them to buy a building or buy equipment or inventory, uh, that would be a fraudulent use of the funds and would subject you to severe penalties. So you would want to be very careful that you don't even do it uh, by mistake. And commingling your funds in your general operating account could blur those lines when you come back later to show the government that you only used it for the, the appropriate uh, eligible purposes. Fantastic. So back to Endeavor Bank, if there are business owners that don't get an acceptable answer or have not applied, are you guys open to taking additional applications and staffed and ready to do so? Yes, we are receiving them uh, almost hourly. So absolutely. Okay. Anything else you think that we should share with our listeners today about the PPP program? I think the one area that I would advise that everyone focuses on is the definition and the formulas for full-time employees and how the timing of bringing those employees back and how many you bring back will affect your forgiveness. There's so, many, there's so much confusion of, of, do I have to bring everyone back? And when do I have to bring them back? And how does that affect how much I'm forgiven? And there are some great resources out there that I have come across where you can see the formulas in black and white there are actually decisions that owners are allowed to make as to what they use for the numerator and the denominator in these formulas. They can mean thousands of dollars difference in how you uh, elect to apply the formula for your company. Again, you know, when you read certain articles, it makes it sound very black and white and simple. But when you get into the actual formulas, there are strategies that can affect your ability to have your loan forgiven or on the other side, uh, turn into a loan. So definitely, this is the time to bone up on that, do your research, and seek out good advice from people that have uh, made it a specialty to, uh, to share how they've determined uh, the best way to approach uh, spending these funds. Yeah, absolutely. So it's great that you get your golden ticket, then it's great that you get the money. But as soon as you get the money, you need to have a plan for the eight weeks to decide exactly what you think this is going to cover during that period. Uh, optimizing that is going to optimize the loan forgiveness. Portion. Absolutely. Dan, we know you're very busy. Thank you very, very much for coming and being with us again this week. And if, uh, if you feel like next week it makes sense to come back, we'd love to have you. Uh, but we won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me today and have a great week. You do the same. Take care, Dan. Derek and Dan, thank you so much for bringing great information to this podcast again and helping every business owner out there understand the complexities of what's going on right now. And I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast with the team from Centura Wealth Advisory. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when they come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at Centura Wealth Advisory, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Life Liberated podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Centura Wealth Advisory. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Centura Wealth Advisory, Centura, is an SEC-registered investment advisor with its principal place of business in San Diego, California. Centura and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration and notice filing requirements imposed on SEC-registered investment advisors, in which Centura maintains clients. Centura may only transact business in those states in which it is notice filed or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from notice filing requirements. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Tax relief varies based on client circumstances and all clients do not achieve the same results.